the HVAC field is starving for young, eager techs. This is the most exciting and challenging field to be in. Come on a journey to find out what you really need to get started from a veteran and company owner who has trained many successful techs. Welcome to Ability Man's HVAC Tool Belt. Morning and a Merry Christmas. I am your host and creator of Ability Man's HVAC Tool Belt, John Dungan. This is my 15th episode. And this is all about sell or not to sell, in particular, uh, selling air conditioners or heaters instead of doing repairs. Before I get into it this morning, I'd like to remind everybody that I post regularly on Facebook and Instagram at Ability Air, and I have a bunch of videos on YouTube at John Ability Man Dungan. That's D U N G A N. This podcast is specifically about getting into and being successful in the HVAC field. This is from my perspective as a tech, installer, and contractor slash employer. I have been an HVAC contractor for the last 13 years and have been in the industry for 20 years. So if you know someone who may be interested in this field, please pass this podcast along. I think I can help them out. Okay, so let's get into it. This episode is about selling air conditioners or heaters over doing repairs. This is um, something that I find very important. I want to make sure that I'm giving the best product for my customers. I want to make sure that what I'm trying to provide to them is in their best interest. There's a lot of guys out there who don't care about it, like they really are looking out for themselves and their commissions, which I'm not saying that's wrong. You got to feed your family. But at the same time, I like to sleep well at night and make sure that I'm doing my job the right way and providing what they actually need and what's in their best interest. Because a lot of the time, what's in their best interest, um, they aren't really wrapping their head around. And it's your job to provide them with direction. Okay. Like ultimately they're responsible for their money and their decisions, but it's important that you keep their best interests in mind and help direct them. So let me just talk a little bit about this and what I'm getting at. So when I go into a customer's house, I do a lot of talking before I even look at the unit because maybe what they're wanting to do isn't what you're finding. So you really want to use that information to hone in on what information you're trying to find out. You know, are you just trying to get them up and going quickly? Uh, do they have, you know, constrained, you know, financial situation? Are they looking to get out of the house? Are they you know, they just moved in, maybe they don't have a lot of money, but they plan on replacing it in, say, a year. I mean, there's so much data that you can gain to help you do your job more efficiently when you first arrive at somebody's house. And you can only do that through talking with them. So take the time to talk with the customer and find out what they really do need and want before you do your assessment. Okay, now you move on. You've assessed the equipment. 
you see what kind of condition it's in. And there's a whole nother conversation that goes along after that because maybe you're recommending repairs, maybe you're uh, recommending a new unit, or maybe there's nothing really wrong and you can't do anything for the guy or the girl. So here's some questions that I like to ask. How long are you keeping the house? This is this question will tell you a lot about your recommendations. If they say are not planning on being there within two years, then is a new piece of equipment in their best interest? Especially if the thing is running, you think it might last a couple of years, it's just inefficient. Are they going to see the benefits of replacing the unit and the lower utility costs within that two years? Like, does that make financial sense mathematically? And you can tell the person flat out, hey, this makes sense for you, or you're going to have, you know, this breakdown and this breakdown within the next two years. A good technician should be able to at least determine under normal circumstances whether something is going to break down with two years or not. Like, you can tell if the system is starving for air, it needs new ductwork, or maybe you see there's contaminants in the refrigeration system, or, you know, is an outdated refrigerant. Like, now R22 is, they're not making it anymore. Well, that really ups the price for repairs on the refrigerant system. So... This all plays a factor with how long they plan on keeping the house. Also, I like to find out what history they have with the unit. I mean, if they just moved into the house, um, it's you're not really going to get too much. Every once in a while, somebody has a pretty comprehensive idea when they just moved into the house, but that's an anomaly. Normally, they don't know. But if they've lived there for a few years or they actually paid to have the unit installed originally, then they can give you a pretty comprehensive idea of what happened to the unit because, well, air conditioning repairs aren't normally cheap, so it tends to stick in their mind. Also, sometimes they have the records of the uh, repairs, and I like to go through those records. I say, oh, will you have a file? Let me check it out. And I'll go through and I'll actually see, oh, the compressor was placed like four years ago and the unit's only six years old well why was the compressor replaced at two years old or you know it's an extreme circumstance but i have seen stuff like that or you know the evaporator was was replaced you know eight years into it or whatever it is i mean this history helps you determine whether they should continue throwing money at the unit or um if, if this thing's worth repairing. Also, it can sometimes be a really good selling point. You look, go, look, whoa, you have spent a lot of money on this unit over the past years, and now you're going to spend like even $500 on this thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you look at everything else. I mean, that's just throwing good money after bad, and that's, you know, in my opinion, not the best thing. Plus, if there's that many repairs on the unit, do I want to be another person in a long line of repairs on an air conditioner? I generally want to, you know, handle the problem terminately so that 
I look great. If they forget my name, that's kind of a good thing because that means they're not calling me out like a couple times a year just for repairs. Uh, they're just calling me out for the maintenance or I'm calling them, having to remind them because they're on my maintenance plan. And that's the most ideal situation is you got everything humming along and you just come out and it's just really boring. You go out, you make almost no recommendations, maybe a UV light here or there, or maybe a little bit better filtration, hopefully not coil cleanings because the unit's set up correctly where it doesn't accumulate a bunch of dirt inside of it. But I don't want to be the guy who comes out two, three times a year for repair. That just, it's not great. It's not a great look for your company or you as a technician. Also, you need to assess how much money they have to work with. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, that should be the determination on like how much they can purchase. Oh man, these guys can do a really expensive unit. What I'm talking about is do they have the resources to replace it if that's in their best interest? I mean, I'm not going to sell somebody a brand new, you know, 20 seer unit if they're having a hard time making their mortgage payment. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I don't want to sit there and sign somebody up for a, you know, financing or I'm watching them put it on a credit card and I just look at these people and I'm like, they can't afford this, you know? So it's really important to assess the financial situation. I've, I've gone to customers' houses before. They didn't have hardly any money and I needed to get it going. I knew that a new system was in their best interest and I was really upfront with them. And I said, I want to see you get a new piece of equipment I'm hoping that you'll be in a better financial position later on. So let's do this repair here and try and just limp this thing along. But just know that I really want you guys to replace this. So put your finances in order so that you know we can do that next year or six months down the road. And people really appreciate that because I'm not just the guy who's walking away because I didn't get the unit sale. And I've seen that before where people, you know, will just decide, oh, well, there's no unit replacement here. I don't get my commission. And, you know, I'm not going to go the extra mile to make sure that these people are taken care of. I had a professional person riding with me. He was uh, training uh, our technicians at our company to do a certain thing. I'm not going to get into who it was or what it was about, but this guy is well known and regarded in the community. And he chose to ride along with me out of, I think we had like eight techs at the time. And I said, great, I'd love to have this guy ride along with me. And he showed me some things. And we went to this house and there was a very long sales cycle with the homeowner. And he was trying to urge them to replace the equipment. And afterwards, he just got really ups kind of upset about the fact that they weren't purchasing the new, the new unit. And so I went about my business. It was just a maintenance. I went about my business and continued doing what I was doing and, you know, really taking my time to make sure that the maintenance was done correctly. And he looked at me and he was like, I can't believe you can still sit here and do this. I mean, he verbally express this to me. I can't believe you, you can still do this 
even though they weren't going to purchase from us. And I said, well, why wouldn't I? I mean, I'm giving these people what they're paying for, number one. And number two, I want to be the best tech I can possibly be. And I remember looking at him. It actually inspired him. Like he couldn't even fathom the fact that I continued to do my job even though they weren't purchasing the equipment. So I've seen all kinds of people do that and not really give the customer what's in their best interest even though they decline to do what you thought was right, you know? So that goes along with the whole money thing. I think these people couldn't afford it at the time. It was right around the time the housing market was crashing. People were just not buying units, and this was in Las Vegas. So it was hit pretty pretty hard in Las Vegas. People were buying homes that they couldn't afford to begin with. <laughs> and then the crash happened, and people were freaking out. I don't even know if I'm going to be in this house in like a week, let alone two years. So it was definitely some interesting times. Um, but that, you know, it all goes down, comes down to dear customers have the resources to do the right thing in replacing the equipment or do they just need to buy some time? Anyway, that's uh, important stuff to know. Another thing that's very important I touched on a little bit is um, is that unit, does that unit contain phased out refrigerant, like R22? At the beginning of the year, R22 is now not being manufactured in the United States and it cannot be imported. Does that mean we don't have any R22? No, it does not. We can work off reserves, which have already been manufactured and stockpiled, and we have refrigerant that we're pulling out of equipment and turning it in to be recycled. Now, I'm seeing a little bit of a hint of they're not really wanting to recycle this very much. They're not uh, pushing to get this. I used to be able to get used R22, turn it in, and they'd give me $4 a pound for a good, like, 90, 98% pure, which I do recoveries, and unless the refrigerant inside the system is contaminated, I'm not going to introduce any contamination into it. So I would generally get the $4 a pound. But now people aren't even wanting to exchange cylinders for free. They're starting to charge. Somebody tried to charge me, like, $70 the other day. So... If that system contains R22 and the repair is more than $500, actually, if it contains R22, I'm generally recommending a new unit. Um, it's at least 13 years old because they stopped allowing us to install units that contained R22, I think, in 2007. I may be wrong on that, but... It's right around that time. So that equipment is 13 years old, so it probably needs to be replaced anyway, depending on where you live. I mean, you know, if it gets mild use, like maybe it's in, you know, Colorado or something like that where it's dry and it's uh, not super hot, 
that equipment can last a long time. But here in Florida, <laughs> anything after 10 years old is borrowed time. And if it contains R22, I'm definitely recommending a new unit. Whether or not they can do that or not, maybe beside the point, but I will recommend a new unit, even on a maintenance. Um, but I do not use drop-in refrigerants. There is definitely a lot of substitute refrigerants you can put in these systems these days, but I'm not a big fan. Not because they're bad products, but for me, I don't like the idea of temperature glide. And that is, for new people maybe listening to this, temperature glide is when the refrigerant has like different characteristics at different pressures, particularly some of these are blends. And so part of the refrigerant is condensing at a certain temperature and then the other one condenses at another temperature. And so you get this kind of like weird, like it's not consistent. The hotter you get, it may react differently at different pressures and temperatures. And again, for you new people, when it gets hotter outside, your pressures all tend to go up inside and outside pressures. So the temperature glide can really play a factor, especially when you're in a super hot climate like Las Vegas. A temperature glide is a real issue. So I, I would never put in any blends in Las Vegas, and it kind of carried over here in Florida where it doesn't get as hot, but it's still hot enough where I don't want to have to worry about the refrigerant when it gets really hot outside. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm told that there's some really good stuff coming out that I would actually like to, I guess, experiment with a little bit and see how it acts down here, but um, I'm still a little, little leery. Also, if you're dealing with a system that's leaking and you put in, um, say, yeah, I'm not going to use brand names here because nobody's endorsing me, but you can contact me. <laughs> um, but when you have a blend and you have a leak, which part of that blend is leaking out? You know, it's not like you can go in and just approach charge a unit that contains a blend. You don't know if that's going to react the same. So the appropriate thing to do when you have a blend in a system and it's leaked out you need to recover all of the refrigerant, find and fix the leak, install a filter dryer, and then recharge it as a liquid. You can't approach charge it, and you have to fix the leak. So if I'm working with something like R22, it's stable. If it leaks out, I can pump it down, fix the leak, replace the filter dryer, and just approach charge it. Not a big deal. Um, same with 410A. <clears throat> So anyway, that's a uh, that's my perspective on units containing R22. I that's about all I really have to say about this subject. And it's just a matter of wrapping your head around getting out of your best interest. Like I'm going to do the easy thing or I want the highest commission or whatever it is, you just got to get out of yourself when you're selling this and just really convince yourself 
of the correct action for that person and have, I want to say the bravery to push somebody a little bit in the correct correct direction. People will not pick the best route most of the time. That is your job. Part of your job is to open their eyes and just push them just a little bit to do the right thing on their system. They will be happier. They will sing you praises. They will thank you time and time again when you handle their problem the correct way. And you'll be like a rock star. And that's one of the best rewards is knowing that you did a great job for people. At least that's my perspective. Anyway, it's kind of a short episode today. And thank you all for joining me. Please reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook at Ability Air. I've had a couple people reach out to me and I was able to help one guy and hook him up with, you know, somebody who could give him better information. So that was awesome. I had another guy hook up with me and he, he said, you know what, I really liked your episode on Do I Need School? And he said, you hit the nail on the head. And he that was his ex- exact experience two years ago. And he's doing really well with his field. He ended up doing rack systems. So shout out to you. And, you know, I, I like getting the feedback. I like answering uh, the questions or if I can help. So go ahead, keep on reaching out. Um, I do have several ideas for episodes, so if anybody has any other ideas of stuff that they'd like to hear along these lines, please let me know. And um, I still have not done this episode that I really want to do, which is different temperatures for the serving of different beers. Like different beers taste differently depending on the temperature that you serve them at. So I'm still trying to find somebody to help me out with this. I've had a couple leads that have like fallen off. So stay tuned. I think that's going to be a fun one, at least for me, because I get to drink some different beers, which I love. So there you go. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>